conversations from the front lines of marketing. This is B2B Growth. All right, I want to start with something on this episode that I love about the B2B content space and B2B marketing really generally. Unlike being a solo creator or maybe like an entertainment channel on YouTube, B2B content has a very clear picture of its ideal listener and its ideal consumer for their content. And that can be really, really great when you're first getting the wheels spinning for what type of content to create. But that comes with a problem as well, because as you start to develop content, you realize, oh crap, my niche is pretty restricting in some ways. Like we only have a few topics that we can really talk to in our industry. So maybe we shouldn't even really dive deep into content because, well, how are we going to do this? We got to say the same thing over and over and over again. So what I want to do on B2B Growth today is talk with Jake Thomas. He's from Creator Hooks. And I'm going to read, Jake, real quick, right from your LinkedIn bio, because I love how you put this. You said that you're helping us use psychology to write better YouTube titles so we can get more views and make more money. I think you're the right guy to take on this topic. So thanks for being here with me. Yeah, Benji, thanks for having me. Somebody actually commented on one of my LinkedIn posts the other day. They're like, all you do is talk about YouTube titles, but somehow every single time, like you bring like a fresh new angle. And it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely challenging my, uh, my creativity. And I'm kind of living out like what you just described. Like I talk about one single thing, YouTube titles. Um, so I'm just like, I'm every week trying to figure out how do I talk about the same thing and uh, just like spin it a little different way and attract people to sign up for my newsletter. So yeah, I know the problem. I'm living in it every day right now. <laughs> what has been the biggest mind game as you've niched down and go, I'm going to own YouTube titles? Like, How have you kind of started to try to overcome that because you're having to come out with similar-ish content, but still making it fresh? I mean, just like from like a high level, it makes things so easy. Uh, I only talk about one thing. Like, I don't need to like, you know, if if any other opportunities come up or, you know, if if I try to get distracted, it's like, okay, well, this does this help me help other people write better YouTube titles? If yes, then I'll do it. If no, then okay, I'm just gonna ignore it. So mm-hmm. it one, like it it just it kind of filters everything, makes my decision making pretty easy, actually. But then once I'm like, you know, actually in it and trying to come up with new ideas every week of, you know, what to write about, that does get a little tough. We can t- we'll talk about like the specific ways of how to actually do that later. But every time I feel like I'm out of ideas, um, I'll, I'll be kind of scrolling through Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, and I'll come up with like more ideas. Like, oh, this is great. This is great. And so far, it hasn't failed me where I've like just hit a wall. Like, oh, I'm totally out of ideas. That has never happened. I don't think it's ever going to happen just because there's, there's so much to talk about, you know, no matter, what your, uh, no matter what your industry is. Well, that's the hope here is that we would kind of start to learn the art form or get the ball rolling for creatives in their different spaces, specifically for B2B marketers, but trying to say the same thing a hundred different ways. What I want to do is maybe lay some groundwork here because you're focused on YouTube titles, but this applies obviously more broadly. Any copywriting is a skill that's worth attaining. And you could be having to title a blog. You could be having to title your next ebook. I mean, there's a million white papers even at this point, making those look more creative. Like Getting this right is a big deal. So I was listening to a podcast episode that you did elsewhere. 
and you talked about three click-worthy emotions. But if someone's new to you and to this idea, I'd love to have you break those down because then we can build off of that and start to talk about how we can say things in different ways. Yeah. So I've studied thousands of YouTube titles. I've, I've written thousands of YouTube titles. And kind of when you look at them all together and look at what works, uh, you can kind of boil it down into three different emotions. That's curiosity, fear, and desire. Um, and it's usually curiosity plus fear, curiosity plus desire, some sort of a, uh, you can always also like mix in all three, which is a, which is an interesting uh, combo there. When you ask the question, what makes a good YouTube title? What makes a good email subject line? What makes a good blog post title, you know, sales page title uh, or sales page headline? It's all curiosity, fear, desire. And, and I've talked to a lot of people who are much smarter than me, people like um, Pat Flynn and Daryl Eves, you know, when we're talking specifically about YouTube and I've asked them like, hey, what do you think is like the main thing that makes a title good? And the, both of those guys said, they said one word, curiosity, right? So curiosity mm. is like, it's like, it's like giving somebody a mental itch. Like somebody doesn't like, oh, like if, if you get bit by a mosquito, I don't want to bite the, you know, scratch this mosquito bite. I have to scratch this mosquito bite, right? You feel like compelled to. So that's what, that's what curiosity does. When you build curiosity in your audience's mind, they feel like they have to click on your content and see, all right, what, what happened here? And there's a, a bunch of different ways you can do that. We can dive into that as deep as you want. But yeah, curiosity is the, the most important thing. It's the, the most common click trigger or you know, what, uh, what makes people click. Um, then after that is, uh, is when we're talking about like uh, frequency is desire. So that's really just like you know, knowing what your, your audience's hopes and dreams are, um, you know, the goals that they want to achieve. You know, it's pretty straight up. And then we have fear. So fear, you might be talking about like regrets, you know, they, they fear regrets, they fear mistakes. I mean, what are they actually like scared of, you know, and that can look different for different industries. But uh, we, we can also dive into that. But, you know, things like, um, you know, fear of wasting time, right? Like that's, you know, if we're going to talk about productivity or something, or if we're talking about, if I'm a sauna, my audience probably they don't want to waste their time. So that's a fear. Yeah. So it, so it, it kind of all boils down to those three emotions, curiosity, fear, and desire. I like that. When I think of fear, and I don't know if, if I'm speaking for everyone when I say this, but I naturally think of like the news and the way that everything's breaking <laughs> news and every, <laughs> everything's negative. And it, but it, it can create some sort of like, oh, I am aware of this fear that I generally have of like the world's falling apart. And so like, that's why I consume the news. But I love the way that you put it contextually, because when you speak to someone's individual fears, like let's, let's just talk specifically to work. There's a lot of things that we don't want to happen. Right. And so you can speak to those things and you're actually hitting at a pain point that someone's experiencing and putting that top of mind, then they're more likely to, to engage. And that's where you combine, I would assume, right? Fear with curiosity. And there starts to be a lot of crossover because then you can also show you know, the, the positive side as well. Explain a little bit more how you see these combined. Could you give any examples there? Yes. So uh, with curiosity, and let's just say curiosity and desire. Um, so the easiest way to build curiosity is to open up a loop. So there are a lot of different ways to describe this. So like you might know it as a cliffhanger. You might know it as um, you know, a curiosity gap. So there's a gap between what you know and what you want to know. So you feel like compelled to close that gap, right? So maybe it's, um, you might say, do this to be more productive at work, 
right? Mm -hmm. So my desire is being more productive at work, do this to be more productive at work, like do this opens up, uh, it opens up blue, it builds curiosity, like, okay, do what? Just tell me what to do, man. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, this, like just saying the word this and you know, not specifying what this is, is kind of an easy way to, to build curiosity, you know, because people want to know, oh, what, what is this? So that's, that's like curiosity 101 there. Mm-hmm. And then you can also do the same thing with fear. You know, do this to stop wasting time at work. So, uh, or, you know, or do this to, you know, whatever, you know, your audience like definitely doesn't want to do, like do this to stop wasting money on software. And I guess something like we didn't really talk about was knowing your audience. Um, that's kind of like a a prereq to this whole, (laughs) this whole conversation, um, knowing what your audience's hopes and dreams and fears are, knowing what their assumptions are, um, what their best practices are. So a common thing I've seen is like telling your audience to stop doing something. So kind of like warning them. So here's a, a title, and this is from from uh, the tennis niche. So stop standing here in doubles. Hmm. So and that assumes that like that you know your audience, and like you know this is a best practice to stand here. So so you really need to know your audience, what their best practices are, what they think is true, and if you tell them to stop doing something that they think is good, then it's kind of like wait a minute, what's going on here? One thing there, I, I like that you pointed out knowing your audience. And I that takes us back to what I said right at the beginning. It's because I do think for the B2B marketers listening to this, you've probably gone through quite a few exercises to figure out who your ICP is. Not to say that that's the, the crystal clear picture and it's everything you need to know. But you, in general, I think we are set up in the B2B space to know who we're trying to connect with. And if you have that picture and you're building everything from that place, then the you go one level up and it's like, okay, so what is that audience curious about? What are they fearful about? What are their desires? And that's... You just start playing with those building blocks. That tennis example is great. I think you were about to lead us into... What, what did you say? A finance one as well or a debt one there? Yeah. Uh, you know, Stop standing here in doubles. Stop paying off debt. Uh, why I stopped writing carbon frames... I stopped using VLOOKUP. They're all kind of the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the same framework, but it's all like, hey, stop doing a best practice, you know, because, and that kind of implies that, you know, there, there's a better way. So, yeah, so when someone challenges your assumptions, you're like, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? Are they lying? Have I been lied to? Uh, I don't know. I, I got to <laughs> see, I got to see what's happening here. So, that's, you know, one of my, one of my favorite frameworks right now is telling people to stop doing something. Nice. Okay. So that's what I want to do for the next few minutes is really just hit on a number of frameworks. Once you have this idea in your mind of these three click-worthy emotions, you can start playing with it and thinking of it in different ways. So one that I'd love to start with here is just timeliness. Because in business specifically, there's things that are just built into our calendars that we can make content around. Can you speak to how we could use timeliness specifically as in our titles to to get more engagement? Yes. So when you're talking about timeliness, it's really talking about like what is going on right now. Like what your audience is thinking about. So there's actually, (laughs) there's a lot that goes into this. One of the ways you can think about timeliness is thinking about like time of year and like seasons. So, you know, how to do X in 2023. Uh, If you are in software everything is changing. Like the UI is changing. So like, you can't just say how to start a YouTube channel because it's changing every year. Like it's changing a couple times a year often. So how to start a YouTube channel in 2023, how to start a YouTube channel in 2024. 
So using the current year, that's like, that's just like the easiest way to use timeliness. Mm. And then um, also talking about like seasons, you know, so right now uh, it's, it's about to be spring. So you could talk about like spring fashion trends, spring design trends. If you're in like some sort of design or fashion, that would work well. Also talking about like news. So, you know, everybody was talking about Ukraine stuff a couple, shoot, I guess almost a year ago now. And, you know, what, whatever is whatever is happening in the news, like kind of the, the, the common like cultural narrative, if you can yeah. just kind of attach your content to that, that is one of the most powerful ways you can get views fast or like you get a lot of eyeballs on your content fast. The only bad thing is that it, this is not evergreen, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where like this could blow up and then it could be gone. It's the one of the best ways to blow up your content, but... <laughs> It won't be, it won't, it's not long lasting. I want to ask a follow up question on this one because this is something that we've at B2B Growth have actually tested quite a bit over the last quarter or so, Jake, where what we started doing is we have what we call a content franchise. So it's, it's not one of these where it's you and I talking to each other. It's actually uh, me and, and our CEO, James, and, and Dan from our team. And we're discussing like, whether it's something we saw on LinkedIn or Twitter that's applicable right to the B2B marketing space right now. So it's very timely. But I wonder, well, a, a couple of things. Like one, as a content franchise, I don't think it should be your only thing that you do because a lot of people do it. Do you agree with that? Or like, how would you think about differentiating when it comes to timeliness? Because it feels like one that anyone can kind of copycat and you would need either someone that's super influential in that space to grow something like that or a really, really unique take. So we're talking about like having your whole content strategy only be around what's happening now. Is that right? Yeah, because people think like in ideas of like, okay, I'm going to create videos like in this way. And a lot of times, or at least for this is coming from someone that's also in podcast world. So I think of things in like franchises or different styles. Right. And to me, it's like, if you're going to only build on timeliness, that almost feels like a news play versus in entertainment or education, you might need to mix in some other things in order to really float and continue to grow. Yes. I, Time, all of these click triggers that were like there were these emotions and timeliness, and you know, we could talk about a couple other ones later. These are like dance moves, right? Like you know, if you're if you're, at the, if you're at the club, you know, you're not going to hit the same dance move every <laughs> single time. There's you know, different songs require different dance moves, so it, you can't you can't be a one dance move kind of guy. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a it's a pitch in your arsenal, you know, that you can use depending on the situation. Okay. Another one that you highlight is authority. And so you basically saying like you can name drop an authority figure in your niche and then benefit right from the credibility and and the name recognition. How are you seeing YouTubers do this and, and effectively put that in the title? Yeah. So there are two ways to use authority. You can... Well, actually, you hit the nail on the head. Like It's all about credibility. Well, actually, it's not all about credibility. It's you know credibility, name recognition, right? If you slap Elon Musk's face on your on your thumbnail, like yeah, everybody's gonna click on it because everybody knows who he is. If you slap my face on your thumbnail, it's like okay, who's this random bearded guy? I have no <laughs> idea who he is. I don't care. I'm gonna scroll on by. So you can use it for recognition. You can use it for authority. You know, if you're talking about finance, and you could talk about Warren Buffett's you know top ten tips for investing. 
even if like you don't have that much credibility or if you're learning, you know, just dropping Warren Buffett's name in there and, and sharing his secrets or his his lessons uh, is a great way to borrow his credibility in a in a great way. Like so there's that you can also talk about someone's position. So you can talk about a person or a position. So you could talk about Warren Buffett's things. That's a person, obviously. You could also talk about, well, here's a, a, good, a good example is U.S. military linguist secrets for learning languages fast, something like that. So it was, it was the position of, you know, because U.S. military linguists are known for learning, like being the fastest at learning languages. Um, so you can use that, you know, those, those people's, um, their secrets. You wouldn't say like John Jones's secrets for learning languages fast, like even if he's like the the note like the fastest language learner in the world, nobody knows his name. So in that case, you would use a position. So you could also talk like, you know, if you're talking about Jeff Bezos, you would probably say Jeff Bezos. But if you're talking about Asana's CEO, you'd probably use Asana CEO. You use the credibility of the organization. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, whatever has more name recognition is usually the one that you would go with. So that and that's another, you know, it depends on the situation, you know, it depends on the person or the position who you're talking about. Um, but but it's just a great way to just borrow credibility and name recognition, especially if, if you have none. B2B brands are on a hamster wheel trying to create more and more awareness. They're putting so much work into creating awareness and not nearly enough work into making sure that the content they're putting out is actually good. You can pay to build awareness. Brands do that all the time. But does the content resonate? The question should be, how do we create content that builds affinity? And that's where Sweetfish comes in. We're here to help you build your market's favorite show, not just another show. Learn more at sweetfishmedia.com. I like that. And I want to point out, because you gave some really good examples that I'll just read real quick to show the difference between like, even though you're hitting on in finance, like let's go to stocks real quick, right? If you're talking timeliness, you might say top five stocks to buy in September of 2022. That's very contextual to like present day right now. Right. But then if you're going authority, you may say like Dave Ramsey's favorite stocks to buy right now. So there's still this like play in, and I've actually seen, there's a finance guy that I follow. I think he's out in Arizona and he, he does like reaction videos to Ramsey and his audience is far smaller, but I've actually seen his audience grow. And the first video that he had that popped off was a Dave Ramsey reaction video, right? So, and that's, that is not that uncommon. Again, it's how do you infuse your unique point of view? Cause that's the other thing too. You could title this great. And then if your take is like not great, none of these are hacks in order to just automatically like have some massive audience, but you got to have uh, these different plays in your arsenal to really start to, to, to grow from there. So I like that. Okay. Another one that I wanted to hear you touch on was secret, like using this language of, we have this secret that you need, you need, right? How do you see people use that? Yeah. So secret, you know, like let's pretend we're back in middle school and you know, I'm a nerd. So I'm sitting in like the front of the class and then like, you know, the cool kids in the back, they start whispering. They got their hand over their. They got you know. They got their hand over their uh, over their mouth, and like even though it's so quiet, everybody knows that there's a secret <laughs> going on. Everybody's turning and be like, "Yo, what? What are they talking about? What, what's going on over there?" And that's like that's what happens when you kind of tell your audience that you're going to reveal a secret you know, on the YouTube homepage. Like everybody's like just staring at you, like, "Oh, what? What is happening here?" You know, we are just we're 
humans are wired to be nosy people and we love secrets. So you can do, um, you can kind of be like obvious when you're using it, when you're revealing a secret in your title. So here's an example, six secret sewing tools you didn't need. Like, okay, just be very like blatant. Like these, these are about secrets, right? Or you can be like a little bit, a little bit more, uh, less obvious. My Airbnb lost money. Here's the truth about being an Airbnb host. So saying like, hey, here's the truth about this. You're kind of revealing a secret. Like, all right, everybody thinks that like, you know, being an Airbnb host, host is, is like all glamorous. But let me tell you a secret here. So yes, yeah, so I mean, you can, you can just use the word secret. And that, that has proven to done well for a very, very long time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just like, you know, kind of bring, bring your audience in, make them feel like they're getting insider information. It's like, hey, like, you know, you don't, you don't actually know the truth. Like everyone's kind of lying to you. Like, let me, let me tell you a secret here. Um, and just kind of having that vibe around your content uh, will work well. And like, you know, so the truth about, you know, secrets to what they don't tell you, what the media won't show you. I'm reading a, a big list of, um, you know, different ways. I like it. How Minecraft is secretly a horror game. So you could probably <laughs> say like how TikTok is secretly a psyop or something like that. Uh, yeah. why running is actually bad for you. Like, you know, just kind of, you know, just, just like, you know, secret, secrety vibes there. Hmm. What, if you're putting yourselves in the shoe, I, I like that we've brought up Asana a couple of times here. So like a productivity app and they're thinking of, all right, we want to use this like secrets. Like what, are, what is your mind and, and immediately go to the type of content you think they should create? The first one would be like, you know, productivity secrets. You could use this a lot of ways. You could be like, uh, uh, Facebook engineers top productivity secret. Mm. So now you're combining multiple, right? Because yeah. you got authority yeah. in there too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you could talk about productivity secrets, the truth about being productive at work, the real reason why people procrastinate at work. That's another way of saying secret. I like that real reason. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Or, or like actually, you know, how how top CEOs actually spend their days or how top CEOs like, you know, actually organize their teams or you know, actually is another um Word for like, you kind of just feel like, all right, I'm finally getting the truth because, you know, this is how they actually do it. Yep. That's good. Okay. I want to run through a couple more here. This is great, like ideation on the fly as well, because it's hopefully as you're listening to this episode, you're kind of contextualizing it into your business. One that I hear talked about quite a bit, Jake, but I still want to bring up here because I think we in B2B world get this wrong still slightly is you talk about refuting an objection, which that's the essentially the premise of sales, right? So if you have a marketing audience here, like we talk about this type of stuff all the time. We create collateral, we create content that does this. We refute objections. But there's context to it where you need to be able to like also do this for content and not just like product marketing, if that, if that makes sense. So I'd love to hear you expand on that one. It'd be great. Like, just go to your sales guys, your salespeople say, Hey, what are your top objections? And okay, now I'm going to go write a blog post about that. So that's usually, you know, we're talking about, you know, how to, you know, how to lose weight without cutting calories, you know, or how to lose weight without counting calories. Probably that's probably like the biggest thing is, oh, I, you know, I'd love to lose, lose weight, but I just don't want to count calories. I mean, this kind of goes back to knowing your audience. Like, all right, they want to do this. Like, what are their biggest excuses that, that are keeping them? from them uh, or keeping them from actually like achieving their goals. So, you know, how to without is probably the easiest framework for this. How to lose weight without counting calories, how to be more productive without, 
you know, meditating in ice baths every morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how... Uh, Impossible, Jake. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to how to go viral on LinkedIn without being a good writer. So it's just, you know the how to without is a, is a really it's probably like the the best framework. There's a laziness that you're kind of mentioning there too that I appreciate because that's something to realize about people. They want maximum results with minimum amount of work, especially when they're consuming content because content is very passive. You're just kind of consuming something and you can wake them up in the content, right? Like you can even almost make a joke about really you think that there's a way that you're going to lose weight without getting off the couch and going like you can make a joke about it, but you can still title it that way because there's something inherent in us that does get like, oh, there must be this hack out there. But it's about if you do that, if you go that way, I, you just got to make sure your content is positioned correctly to where you're not just feeding that type of, <laughs> that type of monster <laughs> too. But I do, laziness is the core motivator, man. I, I mean, just even speaking for myself, I know that it is. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and you can also, you know, the how to without, you can also think about, um, you know, their other objections. So here's another example, uh, meal prep for the week in under an hour. So you might say like, man, I love to meal prep, but dude, it just takes way too much time. Uh, I don't want to do that. You know, every Sunday night, spend five hours meal prepping. But this title says, hey, meal prep for the week in under an hour. Like, it's just kind of tackling that excuse or that objection head on right there in your title. Um, so that's a great way to uh, just a good, really good way to to get people to click, get them excited, be like, oh, you know, my biggest fear, my biggest hang up here. You can do it without that. Wow. I got to see. I got to see what's going on here. Love it. Okay. Let's hit on one more and uh, let's talk about time frame. Now, this is different from timeliness because this is actually including like how A long this might take. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not just 2023. It's like do this in the next five weeks or do this in the next whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So people, uh, you know, this kind of, you know, what I, the example that I just gave, how to, um, you know, how to meal prep in under an hour. People want a lot for a little. Um, it's, a, it's a good a good way to think about things. You know, kind of like you said, we want to be lazy, right? We want we want a lot for a little for a little effort. And people, there's something about time. I don't know what it is. Actually, I think I know what it is. But it it can make something feel more desirable. So how to meal prep in under an hour? Um, in under an hour, you know, makes something more exciting. Like I want to meal prep, but now that I know I can do it in under an hour, makes that more desirable. Also. Uh, it kind of makes things more uh, digestible. So like how to, how to study for your real estate license in under 30 days or something. It's like, man, I, like, I don't want to study for this you know, stupid license. It's going to take me a long time. But if, if someone just puts a time frame on that and makes it more tangible and digestible, then it's like, okay, I can do it. I, I, got, I got 30 days. Like, I know I can do that. And I know after 30 days, it's going to be over. So, so make things more, more digestible, make things uh, more desirable. And then there's something about uh, making things more tangible. Like if you know like exactly what this video is going to be about, then you can, there's like, oh, I, I can envision this happening. Like I want to, I want to see it through. So, you know, four one minute habits that save me 20 hours a week, uh, 20 minute study plan, um, you know, how to create. Sound like Tim Ferriss right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> four I mean, hour work week. <laughs> so yeah, just like I love timeframes again. I feel like that's an an underrated one. Kind of kind of going along with that is talking about things that you do every day. So okay. like daily habits. You know, it, we're still talking about time. I I think that you know if you talk about daily habits or like you know daily routine or I I ran 
for, I ran 60 minutes every day for 30 days. Something about being able to plug something in your routine every day. You don't have to like think about, am I going to do this? No, like you're doing it every day. It's not a, it's one less decision that you have to make. So I think that's another click trigger or another you know, strategy for getting people to click that's underrated is talking about doing things every day um, just because it makes it more tangible and you can feel it. You can taste it like, all right, let me, let me see what happened here. Okay. So what I want to do is as we start to wrap up here, I want us both to put ourselves in the shoes of being on a content marketing team, right? For a business. In that context, you're thinking of what's the type of content we create, right? Like from top of funnel all the way through actual sale. But you're also thinking like what's going to attract people just to our brand more generally. When we're talking about all these titles, we're talking about curiosity, fear, desire. There's a few places my brain goes with how I would actually apply that in a business setting. One of them is like looking at the content calendar into the future, right? Like what are the types of things we could create that people would then click on that would make them aware of the solution that we have, right? The other thing would would be to look at past content that you've already created and kind of retitle it because of this knowledge and go like, what's a better way to get this out? When you're thinking of the types of content like you're creating, how are you really doing that? Are you coming up with an idea? Are you coming up with a title first? Like, I would love to hear some of that process because I think that's going to be really applicable to the to the marketers listening. So, with Twitter threads, with um, with LinkedIn, with YouTube, with YouTube, if nobody clicks your content, then you just wasted all of that effort creating that content. And you're not going to get any of the benefits that you could get. You know, you're not going to get any sales, leads, uh, followers. You know, whatever it is that you're after, you're not getting anything if somebody doesn't click. So the best way to create content is to start from the title. Say, all right, you know, what what's going to make my audience click, and then and then you kind of work backwards from that. Like, all right, so I know that this is my title. How do I deliver on this promise now? Because a lot of people are going to talk about clickbait, and it's not clickbait if you deliver on the promise that you make in your title. You know, that's why it's, it's, things are just, things are so much easier if you know, like, okay, I know exactly what my title is and I'm going to deliver on that promise. It's not going to be clickbait. You know, my audience is going to love me for it. Um, and I know that there's a good chance that this piece of content is going to do well because I, you know, because I, I started with kind of first principles of what gets people to click and consume content. So way high level, starting at, you know, starting at the, the, the title headline, whatever it is. And then... So like, you know, something that you mentioned about like, you know, top of funnel, bottom of funnel, you know, when we're talking about all these different click triggers or feeding an objection, great bottom of funnel uh, content there. Like, you know, do we need, do we need more eyeballs on our content? Maybe like curiosity and fear would be a great way to, um, you know, to get, bring more people in. Um, that's, you know, one of my, one of my favorite combos there is curiosity, fear to, to get the biggest reach there. So uh, I don't know if that's answering your question, but <laughs> that's where my mind went. No, it absolutely does. <laughs> okay, no, good. it abs- absolutely does. I think too often we don't really start with the end in mind. And I'll also just speak real quick for podcast world because that's the world that that I live in. You t- end up talking to a lot of creators who are in conversations like this. And I, you might have a general theme, but you didn't start with a title. And it can, that can get a little bit more gray or a little bit more complicated because you're you're creating content together. But still to go that extra step of like 
this is what we're going to deliver on in this episode, you can then create titles. I actually will just say, I think this is a YouTube creator, but Think Media does a really good job of this. Even when they're doing podcast episodes where it's two of them talking to each other, their titles are very much in the vein of everything Jake and I have talked about today. And so you can go study some of what they're doing and, and see that in working itself out, even if it's not like a solo creator or uh, if it's more of an interview style, because there's people that are listening to who are like, well, we're repurposing our webinar, but there's probably ways we could better title. You know what I mean? You can better title your webinar. You could, you could cut that thing way down and only answer one objection. And it becomes way more clickable because of the positioning of how you cut it. But a lot of people think, all right, it's this full, long, dry thing. And if people click on it, it's only going to be because of clickbait. Got to get a little bit more creative than that. So I, I'm so grateful for your for your time and helping breaking this down, man. This is this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, two two like quick quick thoughts that I have now. Before, like you talked about planning out your content for the year, we talk about timeliness, and in 2023 is one of the best ways to uh, to get people's or you're using the current year in the beginning of the year works really well from like December to like February, it starts to fall off a little bit. Like, you know, you wouldn't say in 2023 when it's like July, it's like, okay, it's been 2023 for seven months now. It's kind of boring. So if you're planning your content, try to have all of your in 2024 videos ready from, uh, you know, from December to, to February. It's like talk about like trends, like, you know, you know, design trends for 2024, work productivity trends for 2024, you know, predictions for 2024. You got to plan that out, you know, early, have all that stuff ready to go, have it ready to be published on December and January so that you can kind of capitalize on that as much as you can. And that's a great way to rank in search as well, especially for things that are like, you know, we're talking about like tech, things that are changing all the time. The audience wants to know, is this relevant to me right now? And then, uh, and then as far as like, you know, if you're doing podcasts and stuff, try, you know, study who you're talking to, uh, try to tee them up with some good answers like, Oh, you know, regrets work really well for a title. And, you know, let's say like, you're talking to like Jeff Bezos and be like, Hey Jeff, what do you like? What's your biggest regret running Amazon? And then like, he answered that question. Boom. You've got a great title there. Jeff Bezos's biggest regret, uh, you know, starting Amazon. So, you know, have a couple of titles in mind, tee your guest up for that, bring those up, um, so that you can write a great title without just kind of putting some clickbait title that you didn't actually talk about. I would be crazy to not make you title this episode before we close. <laughs> Dude, I I know so, I am I am the worst at titling my own episodes. I would probably <laughs> Here's my here's my cop out answer. Like we said earlier, it comes down to knowing your audience really really well. I don't know your audience as well, so that's my excuse. All right, man. Well, I I appreciate you breaking this down with us, Jake. For people that are more interested in in your content, uh, I'm assuming I know you're kind of new on LinkedIn. That's an easy way to connect. That's where a lot of our audience is. And then I'll just say personally, that's where I'm interacting with Jake and his his content. And it's super helpful if you're looking to to title things. And obviously, he's doing a lot of work on YouTube. So that's great. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time today, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Benji. Well, that wraps up this episode. We want to remind you of a few things as we close. There are a lot of ways to win. Commodity content is the enemy. And we want to focus on affinity over awareness. You can go to b2bgrowshow.com to connect with me and, and our team. And also on LinkedIn, we'd love to hear from you and chat about marketing, business, and life. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.